0: We're glad you're here and you're visiting with us today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Glad you're here. Welcome to the family. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I want to start over in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, you've been in the past several weeks, you know that we're talking about uh, seven spiritual processes that cause transformation in our lives. And the first one we started with was, of course, salvation. And aren't you glad you're forgiven today? Aren't you glad there's a salvation that touches your body, soul, and spirit? And we learned about uh, the reality of that and the extent of that. And then we followed it up with a teaching on justification, which basically means that you've been declared not guilty. Amen. You've been made right, quote unquote, with God. You've been literally given His righteousness. When He looks at you, He doesn't see some you know, weak worm of the dust, some black-hearted sinner. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus took your sin and gave you His righteousness. And so today we just continue with that process. We'll talk about adoption today, then sanctification, then impartation. We'll also be dealing with glorification and what that means for the believer today. But I want to start here in Ephesians 1 with some scriptures. In verse 3 it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Listen carefully to this language. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. I want you to say that boldly: adoption, adoption to, sonship to, sonship to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So right off the bat, know this that your adoption into his family through Jesus Christ is God's pleasure. He's pleased to have you a part of his family. In first John chapter one, first John chapter one, verse twelve and thirteen. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. What an honor that is. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. One of the most powerful things about the concept of adoption in general is uh, you and I know that uh, in terms of natural reproduction, not every child was expected. few accidents. I made the mistake of asking my mom one time if I was planned. <laughs> I, I'm okay. Therapy and stuff like that's worked real well for me. <laughs> uh, but you know, couples have babies and sometimes even with control, you know, they, they, God blesses them with a child. But when it comes to adoption, it involves the intentional will of somebody to bring you into that family. And that's what your God has done. And I want you to see the impact of that today, in 1 John chapter three verse one. See or behold what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And listen to how he ends that line. And that is what we are. I Want to say I, I am, am a, child a child of God. But the problem is that it's almost like a cliche that it's lost its meaning. It's lost its importance. It's lost its weight. It's lost its force. And I want you to get that force back today in your thinking. From the Greek, this word adoption literally means to place as a son. It only occurs five times in Scripture. and In every case, it describes what God has done for you and for me. If you believe in Christ, then you have been set as a son or daughter in His kingdom. Raise your hand if you've experienced the new birth. You know that you're justified through Christ. Amen. Well, you've been adopted into His family. And that's so critical that you understand the the importance and the weight and the force of that because a lot of people come to the house of God and they get saved, but they never really have their minds renewed enough to find out what it means to be a child of God. But you're going to leave here knowing what it means to be a child of God. In fact, I'm believing you're never going to be the same in Jesus' name. It means to place, emphatically, deliberately as a son, to establish as a son, to fix as a son. You are forever a son or daughter of the Most High God. What an amazing, thrilling thing that is. Now the adoption process, just like sanctification, just like salvation, just like justification, it's instantaneous, but it's also ongoing. And the process involves God placing in us, uh, placing us in His family, and then working to renew our minds so that we understand what it means to be a part of that family. Romans 8.23 says, Not only so, but we ourselves do have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So adoption has taken place, and yet it's not complete yet. The culmination of that will be when you lay off this body that is, of course, corrupt and take on that new flesh. And then the full measure of restoration as sons and daughters will take place. On the extreme opposite of being a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, say it one more time boldly. I am am. a child of God. I mean, I want you to let the devil hear it. Say it. "I I am a child of God. Aren't you glad you're not a slave? Aren't you glad you're not a secondhand citizen? Aren't you glad you're not a secondhand rose? There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. There are none better than others or worse than others. If you're a child of God, you're in a high, blessed place. That's one of the reasons why the devil comes after you the way he does, because he does not want you to enjoy what he gave up. A beautiful, created being who rebelled from God. But you and I are more than just a created being. You and I are literally called the sons of God. No angel has ever been called that or ever will be called that. Look at somebody and say, You are most blessed. On the extreme opposite end of sonship is a thing called the orphan spirit. And I really have one assignment today, and that's to drive that thing out of your life if it's hanging there. You say, well, I don't have... You'd be amazed how subtle this thing is in the hearts and lives of God's people. But an orphan spirit manifests itself in, you know... I don't have a name, I really don't have a family, I really don't belong anywhere, I don't have roots or no sense of future, or they're cynical and insecure, they're uncertain about life, they're untrusting, oftentimes they're scared, they feel abandoned, alienated, lonely, isolated, depressed, and angry. And it's not just in the natural realm, it's in the spiritual realm as well. You're here today to find out that uh, uh, God didn't leave you alone. He didn't abandon you. Many people at some point in time have experienced some kind of rejection. This thing comes in like a seed it just grows and it just sits there all the days of their lives. I tell you that God wants you to enjoy His best on this life and an even greater life on the other side. But you can't do it with an orphan spirit operating in your life. The orphan mentality comes oftentimes in the modern church from orphan theology. What do I mean by that? There are a lot of people that believe that they somehow, if they're good enough, it'll cause God to accept them and love them. You're accepted in love because of what Jesus did. End of story. Not by how great you are. Some of you tie your feelings of God accepting you and loving you by how perfect you've become in terms of your behavior and your thought life and your character. But it's not about the perfection of your character that makes you acceptable. It's the perfection of Christ's character that makes you acceptable. That's how you are made son. The orphan oftentimes feeling lonely, isolated, depressed, angry, out of a sense of rejection. And oftentimes the church, if not careful, can reinforce this. There are people that believe they have literally sent themselves out of the sonship of God. I want you to say this out loud. I cannot, I cannot send myself out, out of, the of the family. Some of you are like, Pastor, woo!" <laughs> I needed that, thanks. No, that's not a license for you all to go out and live like a, you know, reprobate. But it is to remind you that uh, Sinlessness didn't earn you your salvation. Jesus did. It's what you do with Him and abiding with Him, of course, is the key. If you believe that you've sinned away your sonship, consider for a moment, you know, the prodigal in Luke 15, where the prodigal was out there in the pig pen spending everything he had, basically told his dad, you know what, I wish you would just die and give me the inheritance. And he took that inheritance and spent it in a wild living. And who was on the road looking, longing for that son to come back? And when that son came back, did he emphasize his slavery or his servanthood? No, I'm not worthy to be called a son. I'll come back and I'll just ask God, ask him to if I can be one of the servants because they're well treated here. And he wasn't having any part of it. He pulled out the sheaves of the sun He pulled out the robe, amen, of righteousness, put the, the ring of authority on his finger, said, I will not have another slave or a servant. I was looking for my son to come home. Aren't you glad for that? You know, people battle with this thing hard enough the way it is without the church reinforcing it with sloppy, amen, orphan theology. And not just I can somehow make God accept me or somehow I've out my sonship. There's a third aspect that says, well, you know what? You can expect to be part of the family and be saved and go to heaven one day, be forgiven. But don't you dare expect the Heavenly Father to do anything else for you on this planet. That is just too much. There's nothing else for you in the atonement. There's nothing else like healing and provision and protection and deliverance and wisdom and guidance, the goodness of God. That's for some other time. I'm here to tell you that the Heavenly Father's nature demands that He is giving and benevolent. And so I want you to understand twofold. You are in his family. Yes. Say it, I'm in, family. I'm in his family. And he is committed to take care of you all the days of your life. He's a father to you, he is a daddy to you. Don't let anybody rob you of that pleasure. You just simply say, if you don't want him to be daddy, that's fine, but you are not going to take my daddy, God, away from me. Amen. Didn't read part of those scriptures and they're powerful. How much more will he not give you the Holy Spirit? He gives you bread. He gives you clothing. He gives you meat. Are not those flowers arrayed in splendor? Amen. How much more will your heavenly father do what? Clothe you, feed you, take care of you. You see, it's an orphan mentality. You think I'm just going to put on, you know, the covering for sin and one day go to heaven. That's an orphan mentality. A son says, daddy, I'll take all that you have. Amen. Amen. The man that's a, the woman that has a a sonship mentality that says, My name is Jimmy. I'll give all, I'll take all you give me. The orphan's like, Oh, no, 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 no. Just a morsel here, just a little piece of scrap there, then one day I'll go to heaven. No, that is not sonship. That is an orphan mentality. And I'm here to tell you, that yes, He saves and He forgives, but He also serves the table up with healing and deliverance and provision and miracles and signs and wonders. And you're part of the family. And I just want to recommend that you scooch up to that table, amen? And you make sure that every dish comes your way. And you partake of everything that God has for you. Are you here today? To illustrate this, I can't tell you how many kids and how many stories I've heard of natural adopted kids or kids from blended family that never really had their mindset change when they were adopted. Deep in their heart, they were still orphans and oftentimes trouble comes with that, and oftentimes bad choices comes with that, and oftentimes all these feelings of abandonment and rejection say, well, they, someone's reached out to them. Someone has loved them. Someone has provided a home for them. And Listen, if you are in a blended family or if you have been an adoptive parent or grandparent, it's time for you to stop blaming yourself for what the devil is doing. Are you here? It is demonic. And so they just don't feel that connection, there's a real battle that goes on. It's one thing to sign on the dotted line. It's another thing to deal with the spirit that's trying to keep that person in an orphan mentality. I remember, you know, when I was a, just a little kid, I was probably five years old and we had this store and it was about halfway between Marion, Illinois and Heron, Illinois, it's called Grandpa John's. You remember that store? And my dad was like, uh, you know, come on, uh, come with me. I'm going up to Grandpa John's to pick up a few things. And I can't even explain it to you that about halfway there, this terror came on me that he was going to take me to that store and leave me. Completely irrational. And would be hard to understand except that one of my siblings told me that I arrived on the porch I, I went to the store. Just I, my eyes were peeled on my dad the whole time, and I was never so happy to get back home in my entire life. That's how this thing works. All it takes is what, a seed sown without something to counter that thing, without some truth to deal with that thing. The problem I have. Is it the same orphan mentality you see in natural adoptions? You see a lot of people in the body of Christ, they're born again, but they still function with an orphan mentality. Somehow, I just don't measure up. Somehow, I'm less than everybody else. Somehow, I'm a secondhand rose. No, you and I are no longer slaves. We are no longer on the outside. We're sons and daughters of God. The problem is sometimes we lack the comprehension of just how much He loves us. Turn to somebody and say, God loves you. You're part of the family. It's possible today that from an adoption or blended family that you're dealing with that, and maybe the light's coming on right now to understand that in Jesus' name you can be free from that. But it's not just a natural thing, it's a spiritual thing. You have been brought into the most wonderful family in the history of families. You're in God's family. And yet, everybody else, in your opinion, is better than you. Everybody else somehow has one up over you. You God doesn't care that much about you. You can't ask for this, and you can't have this, and you can't have that. It's time for that to go in Jesus' name. Amen. If God has done anything for any any child in His family, He is perfectly willing to do it for you. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. And Jaime can think pretty big. God's done some pretty big things for His children. problem with that orphan spirit is the battle is, is is spiritual, mental, and emotional. And this is why we say that adoption is not just an isolated event in time. I got saved, I've been adopted. It's a process of renewing your mind to who you really are. It's a process of renewing your mind to the status you really have with Him. You are His child. Amen. Amen. And He is your daddy. Yes. Yes. Praise the Lord. That orphan spirit will rob you of your peace. It'll take away your confidence to ask and ask big. That orphan spirit will make you feel in fear towards others. You'll constantly be judging and comparing yourself to other Christians. Other Christians and and their job and their career and their, their money or somebody else's ministry. All of that nonsense is because you don't understand you're accepted the way you are. And all you ever have to do is what God has called you to do. But that orphan spirit is always looking for some comparison, some way to justify their existence. You're justified by Christ, not how great you are. Are you here today? That orphan spirit will make you feel inferior around others. That orphan spirit will hinder your ability to be a blessing to others. You won't be able to function at the apex of the way God called you to function when you're running around saved, but still an orphan in your mind. I'm just barely getting through. Everybody else is better than me. Well, I'm going to remind you of your benefits today as a child of God. Amen. You lay a hold of them in Jesus' name. Yes, Number one, you have a name. Yes. Say, it, I, have a name. I have a name. Ephesians 3.13 says, I ask you therefore to be, not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives. It's name. You have a name. You have an identity. Creflo used to preach this. He goes, you know what? Jesus said, I am. Uh-huh. Well, if you're part of the family, that means you're part of the Am family. Amen. 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 That's good. Say it, I'm part of the Am family. The AM and how I many you oh, know that's outstanding? Yes. Well, what does that mean? It means you am saved. Yep. You am healed. Amen. You Amen. am prosperous. Amen. You am delivered. Hallelujah. Yeah. You am the head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. You're in the am family. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. <laughs> he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Right. Hallelujah. You have a name. Is that a big deal? Huh. You'd be amazed how big a deal a name is when somebody doesn't know what their real name is in the natural as well as in spiritual things. Um my wife uh, grew up all her life uh, believing that the name of her dad was a man named Jim Pierce. He was in the military around the Vietnam time. and uh, Then along came a, a little thing called 23andMe. <laughs> and she found out that her dad's name was not Jim Pierce, the name that's on a birth certificate or whatever, or what she's been told. The actual person's name was Ray Taylor. A five-tour United States Marine during Vietnam who survived and came back. Never got to meet him because he died several years ago before she got this information. But she did, you know, uh, have a brand new family she never knew about. And uh, so she inquired in uh, Granite City, Illinois, as to whether she could actually have her birth certificate changed. And of course, their, their mindset was, no, you can't because the man you say is your father is not here to verify that. Well, of course he's not here. Um, you know, so she began to play around with this and talk about different ideas and uh, talked about changing at least part of her name to honor that Taylor name. So Christmas Day, I had a presence and uh, I blessed my wife for Christmas. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. Say it, we're called to bless. Say it, we're called to bless. And let's just say that she's blessed. <laughs> but I, uh, I went to... Our attorney and got a document and uh, put that document with the information in there to have her name changed, her middle name changed. And on Christmas Day, when she opened it up, it was like she was hitting the head with a shovel when she read Kelly Taylor Hines and a place for the judge to sign. That was the best gift you ever see, wasn't it? Um, amen. How how can a little change, a petition for change of name in Callaway County Court, how can that possibly be the greatest gift someone ever received? They said the judge not even coming in till another you know two or three weeks, but somehow the clerk got it in front of it and it was signed and it was all the way in his back. And just early in January, it came back with the judge's signature. Her name is now Kelly Taylor. She's the pastor's wife formerly known as <laughs> 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 Kelly Taylor Hines. Praise it's official. Amen. Why did that bring such life and joy and peace? We've been married a long time, and I've never seen the look on her face that I saw when she opened up that box. Not even when I bought her a huge Alluja ring. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because the name matters. It's a tie to who we are. And that scripture says you and I are known by the name of our Heavenly Father. Yes. And you ought to believe the Bible just like she should believe that court document. That's right. That's right. Come on, say it. I'm in the Am family. family. Kate okay, said, I'm, I'm in the Am family. I got a name. I, a name. I am named, named by my father. By my father. It's life changing. It's beyond born again to understand who you really are and to embrace it. Praise God. Praise God. Number two, you have a daddy. Praise God. You're not an orphan. You're not illegitimate. In Galatians 3, the Bible says in verse 26, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Raise your hand if you have faith in Christ. Congratulations, you have a daddy. It says that, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It continues in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 4, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are His sons. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. Selah. Can you just begin to cry out, Abba, Father? Just lift your hands and cry out, Abba, Father. You have a daddy. You have a God that is not out there somewhere and cannot be touched. He's yours. Can I see all the hands that believe that John 3.16 is holy writ and it's infallible for you and for me? What I just read to you is just as infallible as John 3.16. You are his child and he is your daddy. So when somebody says, who's your daddy? Do you want to know? Amen. Just as binding as any other verse are these verses that say that you've been adopted, you are his child. Amen. Glory to God. Mom said, I have a daddy who loves me, who's for me. You'd be amazed how many people have the wrong concept of daddy and father, and how many people, even though they're born again, still see themselves as orphans. But you have a name and you have a daddy. And number three, you have access. Anytime you need to, anytime you want to, you have your daddy's attention. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, the ability to be with your daddy anytime that you want to be with him. That's a wonderful translation. But say it with me, come boldly. boldly. Say it again, say "Come come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Through the living way Jesus is made. You have a name. Amen? You have a daddy, you have access. Yes. You having a problem, you have access. Mm-hmm. You need a healing, you have access. Yes. A financial need, you have access. You don't know which door to take or which direction to go, you have a daddy. you having a problem at home, a problem at work, a problem in your life, you have a daddy and you have access. Yes. Yes. My dad was a very successful uh, chemical engineer and manufacturing director and ran an ordnance plant which made ammunition for the U.S. Navy and the Air Force right there in Marin, Illinois. And uh, he's dealing with contracts and the millions of dollars every time they signed a contract like that. And yet, when I called, guess what they would do? His, uh, his secretary, Lorraine, uh, would just put me right through to his office. Pass all the other gatekeeping and all the things you normally go through to talk to him in that position. He took my call. I said he took my call. I said he took my call. It's like Glory says, you're never going to call out to God and you're going to hear this. Hello, this is your heavenly father. I'm away from the throne right now. But if you leave your name, number, message, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. He took my call. I said he took my call. And your father takes your call. Anytime. You just have to call. Glory to God because you have access, and you'd be amazed how many people I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I, that's all I can do. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be able to call him. I don't deserve for him to move in these other areas of my life. Has nothing to do with you deserve. It has to do with what Jesus did, and what your heavenly Father promised. Yes. Hallelujah! Come on, say it. I am a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a child of God. I have access. Come on, lift your hand. And say he takes my call. Come on, do it again. Say, he takes, my call. he takes my call. Anytime. In addition to you having access, you have a family. Now, you got some goofy people in your family. But how I many you know diversity is not bad? How I many y'all have that one relative? <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Psalm 68.6 says, God sets the lonely in families. Who does it? God. He sets. Same language you would find in the concept of adoption. He sets you in a family. It brings inclusion. It brings brothers and sisters, belonging, and all that it implies, the good, bad, and the ugly. One of the reasons Christians are so you know, easily you know, defeated and don't understand that they're really children of God is because they don't stay around long enough to be where God's called them to be. That's it. There's a flourishing that goes on. You're not going to find perfection there. Nope. Amen. You don't want to be a person who easily abandons your faith family. What you want to do is realize that there's dysfunction in every family. Just because you're adopted doesn't mean all the dysfunction was, placed, was replaced with perfection. Amen. And you don't think there's dysfunction in the house of God? Somebody worships with you 5, 10, 15, 20 years and on a dime they're not there as if you don't matter. Listen to me carefully. All of the problems in the body of Christ, where they're here, they're there, they're up, they're down, they're over there, they go here, they're at this church, they're at that church, this denomination, that denomination. What you're really dealing with and nobody told them is they have an orphan spirit. And in Jesus' name, if you're here today or watching online, that thing's coming off of you today in Jesus' name. There's going to be a settling on the inside of you. You're going to be able to enjoy the function of people. How beautiful the house of God is. Amen. How wonderful they are. And when you see humanity, it's not going to freak you out. And it's not going to be the only thing you focus on. You're going to focus on all the good things in people's lives. Because to act like that is to demonstrate an orphan spirit. If you're part of the family, you're part of the family. Come on, say it. I am part, I am part of, the of the family. Praise God. You say, I never heard that before in my entire life. The body of Christ and the day we live in, they need revelation on why we act the way we do. And it's not because I don't like that deacon or because I don't like the worship. I don't like the temperature, I don't like the pastor. I don't like the doctor. It's because they have an inborn spirit of orphan. And until it's driven out, they'll have no rest. And you can't do anything about anybody else, but you can do something about yourself. You can walk out of here with your head high. I said in Jesus' name, you can walk out of here with your head high, knowing you are born again, justified and adopted by God and on your way to heaven. And you can put up with the dysfunction of people you go to church with because you can celebrate all the good things in their life as well. But what if they're really, really dysfunctional? You talking about yourself or somebody else? It's a problem. Say it, I have a name. I have a daddy. I have access. I have a family. <laughs> you think the families in the Bible were all that functional? I mean, Abraham is traveling with Lot and God blesses them both and it gets to be too much for them to handle the land in terms of what they have developed into and they decide to depart. And where does Lot go? He picks the most wicked place to settle. And scripture tells us he just didn't live there. He became part of the government of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when the fire began to fall, guess what? He loses everything. And his wife, instead of marching forward, turns back and turns into a pillar of salt. And what is he left with? Two daughters. Both of them wanting to do what? Seduce him. He had everything. I call that dysfunction. Somebody right now is getting a big old joy on the inside. Well, I, well, my family's not that bad. <laughs> be bad, but not be that bad. There's hope, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. It is the mark of security and maturity and a spirit of sonship that you can see clearly the humanity of other believers, and it doesn't move you. You just love them anyway. God's working on them. You notice I said these are processes of transformation. It's not, I got born again and now I'm fixed. Well, if that's it, you need to get refixed. Some didn't take. Amen. Everybody in this room is a work in progress. Everybody in this room has their quirks. Amen. Kelly calls me an angel angel art. But every once in a while, she'll come by and clip my wings. She she, she sure will. She goes, I tell you, you're an angel, and I tell you this, and I tell you that, but guess what? You have your moments too. And I, I just look up and I go, that woman thou hast given me. So what we have trained ourselves to think is if I am like that scattered and mobile, and not tied down and completely flaky, that it's because of everybody else around me and the revelation you need to get. It's not because of everybody else around you. It's because an orphan spirit lands on you and stays there. And if we can get that off of you, you're going to have peace and joy, stability and victory and maturity. Amen. You're going to enjoy your life. You're going to be enjoying your life in these last days. Is that going to help you? This is going to be a great move of God. I'm telling you, God has ordained a great move of God for you and those in this region. A great move of God. But the more you see God move, the more you're going to see stupid move. You might as well go ahead and deal with this now. Say it with me. I can see, I can see humanity, humanity in, the Christ, in the body of Christ, and I can still, I can still walk, walk in, maturity. in maturity. You can pray for him, can't you? Yes. Amen. <laughs> I. Uh, I wrote a blog a couple of years ago called, called Divorcing Your Church, and every once in a while these blogs cycle. The one I wrote on uh, the uh, Selfishness of Skipping Church uh, cycled through about a half a million views, and then somebody will repost it and the whole thing will start all over again, the same thing with this particular article. And the essence, the inspiration for the article was Jeremy Pearsons was in the lobby of a, of a hotel, waiting to be picked up to go do a service somewhere, and a uh, lady noticed he was dressed nice. He had a Bible, a notebook with him, and said, uh, well, are you a preacher? And uh, he said, um, yeah. He said, matter of fact, I'm going up to such and such church to do a meeting for them. And she goes, this grandma says, oh, I used to go over there. She goes, yeah, matter of fact, my granddaughter, they laid hands on her, and instantly her autopsy disappeared. She never had another problem. She was severely autistic. And he looked at her, and he wanted to say, you mean to tell me that you used to go there? What are you drinking? <laughs> Even among experts, they'll tell you autism just disappearing is miraculous. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yes, I tell you what, saw some humanity and that orphan spirit began to talk. You know that those things will talk to you. Oh, Nobody likes you. Nobody loves you. You don't matter. Amen. Look, they shook everybody's hand but mine. Does that sound like a mature Christian? No. Some of these people, you don't want to shake their hands. Some of these people need to learn what the washroom and the bathroom's for. Look at somebody and say, wash their hands. Amen. An orphan spirit will cause you to be without root. Say it with me, rootless, rootless, fruitless, rootless. And, clueless. and clueless. But when that orphan spirit comes off of you, you're stable, Fruitful, consistent. Amen. 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 Number five. Not only do you have a name and a daddy and access and a family, whether you want that family or not, you got one. You also have an inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. Romans 8 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear. Again, rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You're serving God today, you don't even realize it. There's been persecution and it on the rise. And you must, you must deal with that. Amen. But the reality is, you and I, by being declared sons, have been declared heirs as well. Heirs of what? Heirs of everything that Jesus has. And we're down here, come out embarrassed to ask the Heavenly Father for some financial help when you're an heir. Say, I am an heir of the Most High God. Through faith in Christ, you become His heir. Everything He has is, guess what? Now accessible to His children. Amen. Raise your level of thinking. Why would I think that God won't take care of the small and the big things in my life? Because it's an orphan spirit. It's blocking you from exercising your faith. You ought to be able to go to God with the big thing. As well as the tiny thing. Well, God, if you're not busy, God, you know somehow you'll overlook everything I did. And I got to be perfect so I can present myself to God in my request. No, what you need to do is realize that you are a son or a daughter. You're not an orphan. You're not a slave. And ask and ask big. Say, I'm an heir. And in that inheritance, of course, is eternal life. And that inheritance is peace. And that inheritance is shalom. And that inheritance is everything you can think of spiritually. in in terms of economics, in terms terms of material things, it's all included, body, soul, and spirit. You're an heir. You know that one day you're also an heir of a new body. How many can use that? (laughs) That day is coming. I said that day is coming. How many believe it's about time for us to lose the orphan mentality? Tap into all we're supposed to be. We are sons. Amen. Every spiritual and material benefit of being named by that name, because we're named by that name, you're actually named in His will. I am an heir. Say, I'm an heir. heir. Now, we learned that firsthand when uh, it was about, uh, I guess it was 1992, December of that year. Kelly came to me and said, You know, I really feel like we have some extra cash here. About $100, I believe it was. And she said, I really believe that we need to sew this into the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Hopkinsville, which is where we lived at the time. And I said, yeah, I'm in agreement for that. And said, so we're going to believe God to, to place a child in in our household. And so we did that and just prayed over it. And then we left it alone. And about, uh, about um, in March or so, we're up in Louisville for a church meeting. And we're sitting on the inside of a restaurant. There's glass panes here. And Bob Rogers, a pastor of, uh, in Louisville, uh, stands outside the glass and he holds up a piece of paper because you couldn't hear through the glass. And he, he puts these words. This is after December. Everybody say December, January, February, March. He holds up this paper and it says, I have a baby, do you want it? Yeah, it's like that. And uh, what we found out later is, uh, you know, the birth mother had, uh, had been, been expecting, and when she would not abort the child, uh, his parents threw her out on the streets in Radcliffe, Kentucky. The police picked her up and took her to a place called Hannah's House, which is a ministry that Bob Rogers has up there, and uh, took care of her and her needs, and uh, actually picked us out of a file of the families. There was no you know, kind of order, it was all completely subjective based on what the person felt, and picked us. And then uh, he was supposed to be born in April, and uh, Kelly's calling every five minutes to find out if he was, <laughs> and uh, and eventually they took him, he was breached, eventually they took him by a C-section, it was May the 6th, 1993. And uh, in the hospital, Bob picked him up and blessed him, amen, dedicated him to the Lord. And uh, about that time, uh, Kelly and the baby had to live in a, in a different home than where we were. That's just the way the law worked until we could get custody. Then we got custody. And then in November of that uh, that year, we stood uh, in front of a judge in Christian County and we walked into his office and he looked at us and he says, you are fully aware and you have considered the full consequences of what you're about to do. And I wanted to say, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> We've been thinking about this. For months and months. And we said, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he took his pen out and he signed that order and then dropped the pen. He looked at us and he goes, it's official. He's Timothy Arthur Hines. And, um, now I don't want to give him a big head or anything, but all the world changers in the Bible we're just like that. Moses was adopted. Esther was adopted. Jesus was adopted by his natural father, Joseph. And then there's Timothy. That's pretty good company, I think. <laughs> but that said, we have seen so many dysfunctional. We have seen so many problematic. And it's not the bad kid. It's not the parents. It's not that at all. It is a spirit, that orphan spirit that has to be removed from that life so they can flourish and be what they're supposed to be. Are you here today? We think Timothy's pretty great. Um, We couldn't couldn't love him or appreciate him anymore under any circumstances. There's just a, a bond there that's just really hard to even understand. But we've always known it was a sovereign thing of God to make sure that he was raised up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Yes, right. So in his generation, he can reach and preach, amen, yes. and teach and see God manifest the goodness of God. I said, say this, uh, he's the heir. Yes. It's not, oh, well, we're just playing around because his name's on that thing there and he's not really... The air. He's, that's all pretend. Some of you think that way. We're pretending we're God's heir. You're not pretending. You are God's heir. Amen. And um, everything that we have. Uh, Kelly and I are well insured. Guess who the heir is? Guess who the benefactor is? If Kelly, <laughs> If Kelly and I were suddenly to disappear... But guess what? Without hassle, without fanfare, it just is transferred to what? The one who is the heir. And all that pertains to it. That means that whatever animals we have, he's stuck with. (laughs) And we might just throw yours in there too. Amen. <laughs> you name it lands, property, vehicles, assets, furnishings, cash, investments, interest. I mean, uh, you know, insurance, everything. He's not the pretender. Is he smiling? Because I feel like he's smiling right now. <laughs> he's not the pretender. He is the heir. The law makes no distinction whether he was natural born or placed by adoption. It's the same. And that's what the judge was trying to say. In a nice way, he was trying to say, I think that boy is going to eat a lot one day. He's going to be healthy. He's going to cost you some money. And, you know, this day, I mean, he can even just imply that he would like something. And you know what? I'll bend over backwards if it's in my power to bless him because he's mine. That's good. Amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you that, that, that by the Holy Ghost, by the Word of God, by the time he was, what, three, he was quoting Psalm 91? Is that Right? I mean, he's baptized in the Holy Ghost when he was around two years old. These things matter, parents. And breaking not just an orphan spirit off the kids that actually are adopted or all of us who are adopted into the family of God and getting that nonsense off of us. Amen. Aren't you glad you're part of the family? Well, he's he's my heir, but guess what? You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You sit together in heavenly places with him. We shouldn't walk out of here defeated. We should walk out of here victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, how am I going to do that? You're going to do that by thinking like a son from now on. Say, I'm going to think like a son. This means your mind has to be renewed to receive and believe everything that pertains to you as a son or daughter of God. Say, I'm going to think like a son. Number two, you're going to talk like a son. No more poor mouthing. No more woe is me. One of most outstanding stories in Scripture is the story of Mephibosheth, the single lone survivor of Saul's household, living in Lodabar, a land of not enough, a land that was pastureless. And David said to his servants, Is there anyone in the household of this man, Saul, that I can show covenant kindness to on his behalf? My friend Jonathan, the king's son. And they said, Well, there is one, Mephibosheth. He was injured in a fall, trying to get away, and he's crippled. He said, Go get him and bring him to my table. You are gonna, he's going to have his lands restored, his fortunes restored. You're going to farm his land for him and give him the crops and he will always sit at my table and dine with me. And when they brought Mephibosheth in, you know what he said? What do you want with an old dog like me? Everything he had just done, he brought that spirit with him. And I'm telling you, we need of course, to come out of the orphanage, but we need to get the orphanage out of us. You are his heir, and you need to think like that. You need to talk like that. And when you're on yourself and questioning your relationship with God, just tell the devil to shut up, amen, and talk like you, ain't. You should be blessed. Amen. Say it, I am blessed amen. and highly favored. Amen. You ought to be blessed. Yes. Amen. Glory to God. Talk like it. Think like a son. Talk like a son. Number three, and act like a son. Enjoy every benefit, everything that you have as an heir. Act like it's yours. Act like you belong. Act like you're something special because you are. Yes. Ah, oh, pastor, you know, people are going to get you know, prideful and arrogant and they're going to think highly of themselves beyond what they should. Can I tell you something my experience as a pastor now for many, many years? I don't see that as the problem in the body of Christ. What I see of people running around as weak worms of the dust. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they can be. They don't know what they have. I'm going to tell you, arrogance in the position is not the problem in the body of Christ right now. It is they don't know the full benefits and blessing of being a son. Say it with me I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Say it. I'm a child. I've God. I have a name. I have a daddy. I have access. Say it. I have access. Say it. I have an inheritance. It is mine in Jesus' name. You are His heir. This is the day that you go free. Amen? Amen. Are you okay with that? I'm telling you that people from the day they get born again drag this thing around with them. And people that have been in in adoption or blended families do the same thing. And you know what? God would let to set you all free today if you let Him do it. I want you all to just stand to your feet and just worship Him for just a moment.